But over to my my guest today that's known as Big Dave or David Neethi, uh, um, high-performance coach that's helped the likes of Lydico, Israel Adesanya, and so much more. Um, I've seen and always known about you on social media, seen mm. around there, and finally sort of having a bit of a chat. Um, I think Will, um, that's uh, producing the show today, said to me, hey, reach out to Big Dave and see if we can have a chat um, mm. to come on the show. And mm. Dave, thanks so much. Hey, it's a real pleasure to be here. And i got to say this. The studio, the equipment, the setup, outstanding. Yeah. Well done, Will. Yeah. So, uh, uh, to All the credit, crew. mate. All credit. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, obviously, Dave, a big thing with yourself. Um, your, your, you've been in this industry, this um, high performance coaching, and mm-hmm. that's for mm-hmm. almost a, a, a generation. Um, it's, Thanks. It's a 20, Thanks it's in, for that, mate. In, I know. You started, yeah. you started when you were about 10, right? So, yeah, you know, 20, <laughs> yeah, you started yeah, when you were 10. Seems and, like yeah. it. It's, it's been, it's been, yeah, it's probably getting close to. Th- Three decades, yeah, and and it's an interesting one because I've got this I've got this real big um, sort of perception understanding around the the coaching game. Mm. Um, I I've been around in the scene like I'm a big Tony Robbins fan and see all yeah, those coaches yeah. and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's the sort that's sort of the modern nuance of coaching and stuff. And I feel mm. a lot of it publicly to say a lot of it's bullshit. A lot of it's oh, cookie cutter and the rest of it. Fluff. Oh, don't even start me on that, mate. <laughs> so, so this fucking is fucking great way to start. Yeah. Because so, you're fucking right. Yeah. So let's let's go straight out there. Like I like I said, I've always been a big uh, TR yep. fan. I went to yep. his events. I got to meet him. Yeah. Um and I got I consumed in that whole world and I was like, okay, great. This is the this is the moment. I see it all. Mm. And this was only four or five years ago. And then I stepped out of it and then got introduced to all these and that's why I almost have this bad taste in my mouth about the word coach because yeah, I met all yeah, these yeah. coaches and it was like, oh, f- that's a crock of shit because Man, it's cookie don't, cutter. Don't get me going. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's why I wanted to say to you, like, this is why I'm really intrigued for you because you've been in this, you've been in the industry and true to it for such a long period yep. of time and yep. actually delivering what a performance coach, mentor is actually supposed to be mm. and not actually what this – a person is that's picked up a book and in the last two years is going to come out and say, oh. hey, I'm this and mm-hmm. this is what I'm offering. And another little curveball and throw it in and see yeah. if you agree with me. I feel yeah. that most coaches in a really crass way is teaching a, and this is going to sound weird, mm. a pyramid schemes type of coaching. So what it is is I, Lawrence Lott, am now a coach to teach people how to be different in life but I'm fundamentally a coach to teach other coaches to teach other coaches to teach other coaches. And I teach you and then I charge you and then you go and teach it. So I see my, my network yeah, circle. It's a business within a business. It's a yeah. business within a business going, yes. hey, I'm teaching six-figure coaches. And it's uh, literally like you're not changing the world. You're just nah, making people fucking f- rich. It's fucking full of shit. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, yeah, fuck, where do I start, mate? <laughs> Honestly, it really, I get really fucked off and frustrated. Mm-hmm. Actually, something that – Will said as he walked into this one amazing studio, because you know working with Will, one thing I'm really, really keen on is congruent coaching, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of coaches, like you, absolutely nailed it. They read a couple of books, they do a couple of courses, and then that's it. And then they're very keen to go out there and tell everyone how to suck fucking eggs. Um. So I, I think the a lot of the coaching today we've got to appreciate. It's, it's here's an interesting stat. Now, someone might uh, say, "Well, where's the research on that?" But 
I, I don't know specifically, but I have heard that uh, in recent years, mm-hmm. uh, the fastest growing industry in the world is IT. Mm-hmm. Second fastest is coaching. Yep. What's interesting, though, is coaching has the highest rate of failure as well. And that just goes to show that people have seen it as an opportunity to make a shitload of money uh, hourly rate, blah, mm. blah, blah. Tell people to suck fucking eggs, uh, make a lot of money and, and you know, and call themselves a, a coach. Um, so I've seen them come and go mm. for damn near 30 years. Uh, I've seen them come and go. Uh, for me um, – the other thing is, like you said, it's uh, the cut and paste fucking coaching, mate. <laughs> it really is. It's shit. Uh, for me, I I think in being a coach, first things first is that you must be congruent. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk I, me – sorry, I just want yeah. to go back to the congruent coaching. What do you mean by that term? Yeah, well, that means like you're not telling someone to do something you haven't fucking done yourself. Yep. You know, it's it's been – it's – It's when you communicate with an individual, I think it becomes more authentic when you know that you've walked the walk and talked the talk. I've, I, so maybe in appreciating uh, the importance of this from a historical background, um, I, uh, in leaving school, went into the printing industry and I fucking hated it. But I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I started working uh, on myself. Uh, and that has continued to this day. I have I have read and worked on myself for continuously for 30 years. And that's I, I think that's really important. I think um, – I'm very assertive in my style of coaching. Mm-hmm. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I, I will. I have a, a very clear message that I start with, and I'm working with a client, and that mm-hmm. is, do you give me permission to be blunt and honest? Because I'm not here to blow smoke up your ass. Yep. Uh, I think uh, I have a style that's not everyone's flavour, mm-hmm. but I think it's. I think it's uh, a flavour that's. Absolutely appropriate for the industry that I'm in with high performance because you cannot be in a situation where you're making excuses, you're in denial, or uh, people are blowing smoke up your ass. I will be very blunt and honest with individuals, and they appreciate it, even though it's very uncomfortable at times. It is, it is so true um, around that. And, uh, yeah, I want to take it back. I know you've spoken about uh, – uh, you've spoken about on previous shows. Yeah, um, I do a bit of a trick where I uh, – inverted commas, stalk my guests beforehand mm-hmm. to make sure while away. And you've spoken about previously about you only ever pro- provide guidance from items that you've experienced yourself. And that's what you talk about your congruent coaching, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Well, not just through experience because that, that has certain levels of limitation, yeah. but certainly, uh, you know, in seeking that knowledge myself. Mm-hmm. So I've really worked hard and that's a continuum too. I've yeah. never stopped learning um, and, and finding better ways to communicate. Now, the challenge that I have is, you know how some people are very good at remembering shit and articulating mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, it, the, 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 weirdest, the weirdest thing about my style is I actually have no fucking idea. Uh, but I trust, I've got this, I don't know, I can just go to this point where I can make that adjustment mm-hmm. because it's all embedded 
through all those years of study and research. Yeah. And the experience that comes from yeah, the tribe. Absolutely. And that's a, we'll, we'll go back in a, in, a, in a little bit into your actual path because someone that's listening or watching might not know your backstory and anything else, and mm, I'd love to mm. get in that so they can see and yeah, go, yeah. okay, Dave, you're talking about this. Talk me through what went in there. But one last night I want to point to you mm. is, uh, yeah, it is so true. You know, you're talking about you doing things and you sometimes you might not be sure how it's done, but it's from all that big experience yeah. and the education. Mm. And again, this is something that I'm seeing in the scene at the moment. And this is where I absolutely makes my blood boil. Um, you, you will know this wolf that's, uh, Wolf Fleming that's behind the camera today that's been big in the scene is um, I'm seeing people out in the mental health space. We've obviously got a critical yeah, uh, yeah. challenge in New Zealand. Yeah. And I'm seeing people step up and going, okay, I want to support in the mental health space. And then you sit down with them and they want to become mentors or coaches. And you go, mm-hmm. okay, talk me through what you've experienced, what you've educated. And then you go and sit down and go and, They've had a privileged life, no challenges, no problems, uh, great education. They've come out of it and have never done any research, but now they want to. Now they want to coach people to, to overcome and tell, and uh, tell de- them depressed. how to suck fucking eggs. Yeah. and yeah. It's, and I just and I just sit there and going, you motherfuckers. Yeah, I, right. I, I, and absolutely. It's, and it's and it's horrible, but it's like you can't come up publicly and go, oh, you, you, and you. That's trying to help mental health stop because you're actually doing more harm yeah. than yeah. good. Because yeah. then. You look like the idiot that's trying to stop people trying to help. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it totally gives a. a <clears throat> They've hard never word. endured. The, no. the, you know, the, yeah. And that's the, and that's the biggest thing. Not to 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 pinpoint it on myself. Like I've met people that want to do in the game, and and they come through and go, oh, but I can I can support you, and I can support there, and I turn around and go, well. Talk me through how you're gonna how you're you gonna relate to the, someone. It's fucking fluffy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's all fucking rainbows and fucking and, and unicorns. I mean, the, the reality fucking is, uh, is that you have to go. It, 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 you know, like I said, being blunt and honest. Yeah, uh, there's a thing called the victim's triangle, and and this is where a lot of people can get hooked up. You know, they'll play the victim, mm-hmm. they want to be rescued, uh, or they'll persecute themselves or others. Mm-hmm. And people say, you know, so. The fourth option, you know, uh, they'll talk about the loving option. Well, sometimes that loving option is fucking being blunt and honest mm. with people. You know, it, it's sort of like, you know what, I'm going to pull you up on yep. your victim story. And that's fucking uncomfortable. Yep. But people, I think when you have a coach that's too fucking fluffy, mm-hmm. uh, they won't. They'll, they'll, they'll almost help to embed it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's Just like, well, fuck, re- you know what? They will reinforce it. That's fucking wrong because that doesn't fucking serve you. Yeah. What fucking serves you is owning up to the situation going, you know, what is the story I'm telling myself? Mm-hmm. And how the fuck does that help me? And more importantly, is it congruent with what I want to create? Yeah. Because people don't understand that somehow subconsciously we start to sabotage something. We start making momentum. Sure enough, something comes along and fucks it all up. And 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 we, sometimes we're not consciously aware of it, but it's all that underlying bullshit story that can eventually uh, impact and manifest itself in situations. I hundred percent with that. Um, you know, my story of going through a brain tumor in twenty nineteen, not knowing if I'm going to get out of it. You know, yep. uh, financially being ruined from it and from everything yep. else. As much as it was the darkest moment I've ever had in my life, mm-hmm. I still have that as an anchor, and that's the sort of a big thing that I utilize when yes. talking to people because I yeah. can go back and go. Like I've got a I've got a, a colleague that I work with that's always stressed at work, yep. um, and I sit down to him a lot of times, and I go, "What are you stressed about?" And he goes, "Oh, it's just," and I said, "Do you want to? Do you want to really know what stress is?" 
understanding that tomorrow you might not be alive. Yeah. And I've been told that. Mm. Once you have that appreciation, then you can actually understand. And he keeps yeah. going, he keeps going. He goes, Lawrence, I always just want to sit down with you because you can really put it in perspective well, from what, that, from what perspective. is in the world, right? Yeah, well, well you know, like I said, it, I think today's society is like we're, we're very good at amplifying that victim story. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's here's a here's a story that puts it in a bit of perspective. So, obviously, going through COVID, we managed to have a little break where we could go and visit. Yep. So I went and saw my my grandma, mm-hmm. and she's a very staunch Welsh woman. <laughs> and I we were talking now. She, she was she was on the oh, I think it was when I saw her, it was within six months she was she she had passed. Uh, but we were talking. It was one of those moments where she was she was mm-hmm. con- conscious, and I was talking about this COVID situation. I said, "What do you think of this? You know, it's, you know how how people are finding it really hard, Grandma, and whatnot." And she says, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Mm. She said, "Have they been bombed and shot at?" <laughs> Yeah. You know, when during the war, yeah. you know, and I'm going, holy shit, yeah, absolutely. Have we, to a certain point, you know, working with my clients, now it, it's dependent on the individual, yeah. right? And the expectations. But, you know, with a lot of these kids, uh, it's about building stronger resilience. Mm-hmm. Here's another little example of how today – uh, we uh, we seem to be very good at creating our victim story. So here's a scenario, and I'm going to say this respectfully, so no names or information. But the scenario uh, is a, an individual uh, who is in part of high performance, and I won't say what sport, so it's even harder for anyone to try and identify uh, – has a certain responsibility uh, to go into a high-performance camp. And part of that is, you know, there's certain requirements, i.e. that going into camp, it's going to be dueling. You need to hit a certain weight, yeah. right? It's, it's part of the markers set out by your uh, performance yeah. team. This individual showed up uh, knowing and consciously and clearly that they had to maintain their weight through mm-hmm. the Christmas period. And this individual showed up uh, overweight. Mm. And immediately when the coach held him to account, this individual accused them of fat shaming. Mm -hmm. Fuck me. And so this individual's telling me the story and this individual's expecting me to be that affirming, oh, that's terrible. Well, someone got a slap in the face and I (laughs) went, you know – We talk about congruent. What's your goal? My goal is to such and such and such. So is that behaviour that you displayed congruent with achieving that? Mm -hmm. Your coach did you a favour. Your coach held you to account and you don't fucking like it? Mm -hmm. That's the most beautiful thing a coach could have done was hold you to account. So my suggestion now is that you apologise to him and be mindful in the future. If you want to participate at the highest level, and where you want to go is in the highest level, Olympic level. Just be careful of your victim story. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you fucking saying because that's inexcusable. Yeah. Your coach did you a favour. So true. Oh. It, 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 you know, and it's, it is a societal thing that we come mm. across, you know. We are seeing it in the worldwide movement of um, being gentle, being soft, 
um, in its nation that we've got to respect certain things. And I fully, re- I fully understand that we've yeah, got to so give respect, right? Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. But, but there's a difference of giving respect and having the boundaries to yeah. then overutilizing that. As yes. you say, your, your victim story and yeah. your, uh, oh, I didn't do this because by oh, doing you this. Oh, poor you, thing. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's allow you to make another excuse yeah. and see what that gets you in life. Yeah. And then, and then they, and then it just continuously goes down that path of the victim to the victim, and then you get to you get a person or you get a societal movement mm-hmm. of where people turn around and go, the big brother or the big sister or uh, the people on top of the mountain, whatever your field is, is pushing down on me, and then we've got <clears> this <throat> disjointment of a societal moment movement, yeah, because. They looking up or sideways and going, they yeah. weren't supportive. And yeah. then our community just breaks away even further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's, uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's something, a subject that I, I don't know if I want to go deeper into that rabbit hole, uh, but I totally agree. I, I think it's, I mean, I have got some concerns about what these kids are, are believing and being taught and how they've been supported with some of these belief systems that I think are just, you know, it's concerning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, got a, I've got a bit of a, 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 like a challenge there with, you know, with my own kids, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm brought up in South Africa. My, mm-hmm. my dad's an ex-military man. Mm-hmm. So same sort of yeah. everything's inside the box and the square. Look, here, not, the, not the same way that the world lives in today a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But there's challenging moments like I have, obviously, um, let's say with my daughter and teenager, teenage daughters, they always push their dad's buttons, anyone pushing it. And you yeah. get into you get into so this challenge at the moment where there will be a discussion, and as a parent, you go, "This is the way it is." It's not yeah. a discussion. Yeah. It's a yeah. it's it's a it's a dictatorship because this is the rule, not because I don't want yeah. an opinion. And then it automatically, and I see this in uh, our teenage day going. Well, do, does my opinion not count? And this is where mm. I think. And I know I've seen by your mm. face, I could see that this is where I think we are losing it. It's not about your opinion doesn't count, but you've got to understand when your opinion should be made. Yeah, I don't you, know if it's so much about the opinion as it about the feelings yeah. behind the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the comment. Yeah. You know, because they're, they don't, they're easily offended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's easy offended because it's been taught. And this is where I have mm. a bit of a challenge. Mm. It is. Um, so I'll sit down and I'll sit down with my daughter and talk to her and go, hey, mm-hmm. there's situations where we have a two-way conversation. You it's give me a, your opinion it's a and discourse. I give you yeah, uh, We've lost the art of discourse. Yeah. And there's also there's a situation as a parent to a child mm-hmm. where it is one way. Mm-hmm. Hey, you go do your homework. Yes, there's no dis- there's yes. no there's no there's no yep. c- response back. You yep. go and do this yep. and um it might seem as a dictatorship from a teenager towards a parent, but mm-hmm. it's it's a one way. Mm-hmm. Um and then you sit down and they're like, Oh no, but you know, we're taught in the schools and everything that our opinion should always be be, be heard and it should always count and all mm-hmm. those big movements. And it's like Yes, but uh, but there's a missing part of it mm-hmm. should be heard or be uh, be told mm-hmm. in the right situation yeah. and under yeah. the right situation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I've I've got adult children now, mm-hmm. uh, both at home, <laughs> but um, Madison's on her way to uh, Melbourne to start a career, and Mitchell's um, just started his PGA traineeship. Yeah. 
But what's what's really interesting now? I and mean, we we talk about uh, the art of discourse. We talk about uh, parenting children, and it's not really my area of expertise. Mm. But I, I've got to say, uh, as an as an indicator of, I think my wife and I have done an outstanding job with our two kids. Two two reasons. Uh, I'm not saying that there's only two reasons, but one of them is when you get unsolicited positive feedback mm-hmm. from a people. Now, here's a prime example. Going out and I go and watch my boy play a bit of golf sometimes. Mm-hmm. We went up to uh, the local Titarangi Golf Club, and I'm out there and, and Mitchell's hitting hitting some balls, and there was a guy teeing off, and he said, oh, are you Mitchell's father? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah. He said, you got a fine young man there. Yeah. Now, that sort of thing – that, that that warms my heart. Yeah. That's that's pretty special. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is the you go into their bedrooms, yeah. they're clean and tidy. Yeah. Now is 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 that something they just did, or is that something that they modelled and you know what's so, around them? Yeah. So I think you know, uh, like I said, I'm not an expert on parenting. Mm-hmm. But I think I've done a pretty damn good job. And uh, I've got to say, my kids are risk takers. I like that. Uh, they're very good with customers. They're very respectful. They're well liked by others. Uh, do they have their moments? Mm-hmm. Uh, they all yeah, do. They absolutely. All do. But I'll tell you something else that's really special is when you have a daughter who's upset, who, and we talk about, Sometimes we've had our, our words. Believe me, I've had the door slammed many a time. But um, one example, my daughter went through something emotional. Uh, she came home and all she did was just walk in and cuddle up with Dad and mm-hmm. cried. Yep. I don't have to say anything. All she knows is she's safe. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, as a dad, uh, you know, my, my – my teenage daughter, you know, I've had the same moments uh, to mm. learn those boundaries. Mm. I've obviously got to respect the same way back and stuff. But there is that I've had those same moments. We've had big blow-ups. We both mm-hmm. as stubborn as each other. That's the challenge, right? And so you kind of like that, though. Yeah, yeah, you like that the stubborn. Oh, yeah. But then it's, it's like, not... don't, but don't challenge me, right? But then there's the moments where um, she'll turn around and uh, one night um, she'll come to me and she'll go, Dad, you never said goodnight to me and you come over and give me the kiss yes. and the cuddle. And, and, as, a, and as, a, as a parent or as a, a as an individual, it's just like you said. It's just mm, that moment mm. that you know something's yeah. Well, something I, I right. suppose for, for teenagers though, they they're going. Through, it's a really challenging time frame because yeah. you're moving from independence, uh, from dependency Dep- to independence, yeah. and so it, you're trying to navigate. Um, but you know, you have these little, you have these little wonderful moments, like talking to my daughter. She phoned me to say that she had an interview uh, for Melbourne. Uh, and listening to the way the interview went and what she said and how she said, I was, I'm like, yeah, that's my girl. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking awesome. Because <laughs> all that stuff, even though sometimes you don't really see it, yeah. and then suddenly there's a situation mm-hmm. and you go, wow, it was worth it. Eh? Yeah. All those years of challenge uh, and, and being a parent mm-hmm. has manifested itself. I have a beautiful young woman who's mm-hmm. very articulate, knows what she wants, assertive, uh, oh, I, that that's a that's a real cool thing for a dad. 
Oh, that's awesome. Um, I want to take you back uh, a, a bit of time back to an idol of yourself. You spoke up, you've spoken about previously um, publicly about Jim um, Rohn about being an idol as you came into the scene yeah. many many years yeah, ago, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear the the, the, the story. story about behind oh, this. God, he, he, I love Jim. Uh, so obviously, in the back in the eighties and nineties. The in thing then was sort of network marketing. Yep. And you're talking about pyramid schemes. And um, I got involved with a few. And, I, and I'm not going to poo-poo the industry because I'll tell you something. It really – it's it helped reinforce my personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I evolved into coaching, I, I had to do some public speaking, yep. which – Fuck, you know, you got to appreciate my background. I mean, I've got no qualifications mm-hmm. from school. Uh, most of my identity is built around uh, my immediate situation is steel cap boots and overalls as a printer. Yeah. Uh, who the fuck am I to step on stage and mm-hmm. motivate, you know, thousands of people? But I had an opportunity to go and talk in, in, in Vegas. The guest speaker that night was Jim Rohn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, how awesome. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I love his stuff. Uh, so anyway, I did my talk and and, and going out uh, before I went out, I was so fucking nervous. And like I said, you got to be congruent, right? So I know what it's like to really be out of your depth. Uh, and and my my I, I tell the story. And my, my wife fucking knew that I was going to start sweating and freaking out. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I can't go because my shirt's soaking wet." Yeah, here's my excuse, right? Yeah. And she just pulls out another fucking shirt and says, yeah, I know. Put it on, off you go. Fucking, I mean, that, that yeah. she's fucking fantastic, right? So I went out there and talked. And then that night we're in the Stardust Hotel in one of the little booths having dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a hand on my shoulder. This is after the event yeah. finished. And I looked up and it was Jim Rohn. Now, fuck, he didn't have to come and say yeah. anything to me or, 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 you know, he could have just walked past but a hand on the shoulder, and you know, in those moments, mm. you're a fuck of it. You know, you're so overwhelmed. Yeah. I, I just looked up and went, "Oh God, Jim, I love you." God <laughs> <laughs> like, damn! Uh, yeah. What the oh, you idiot? You know, here's your moment. You fucking say that. Yeah. Um, but he said something so. Oh, he, he said something. He said, "I listened to you talk, young man. You have a bright future in this industry." Now, to have that sort of affirmation, I would have been 25, 26, something like that. Mm. Uh, and it was like, wow, how fucking cool was yeah. that um, to be affirmed by your idol? Yeah. Because this was in the first sort of five years of your of yeah, this path, yeah, right? Because yeah. because you, you've you've mentioned about in the first five years you were still trying to figure out if you were going in the right way or oh, if you were or, or finding your footing, right? Mate, and this I, is I had no idea how how I'm supposed to act and behave. I've got yeah. no frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, I had I've done multiple of of courses and I, I, I man I read I've never read so much in my life, yeah. um, but. You've got to appreciate. I have a limited frame of reference, so fuck. I had so when I first started, I used to wear a shirt and tie. Mm-hmm. 
I have no idea how I'm supposed to fucking dress or behave. <laughs> I had this wonderful ambition. I had this uh, wonderful vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really have a lot of men. I had to work it out myself, yep. which is great. And here I am now dressed up for you. Yeah. As you can see, a nice so T-shirt. Same, same. Yeah, <laughs> black T-shirt, yeah. yeah. But just something about your hair, mate, you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> so, yeah, in the first seven years, I, I've talked about seven-year little mm. cycles. The first seven years were really challenging. Yeah. Um, starting a business. Uh, so how I transitioned, maybe I'll go back to mm. – uh, so I, I had this – I knew that I found something mm. that I'm passionate about. Uh, yes, I, uh, I knew that um, there wasn't much out there as far as coaching. I mean, back in the nineties, there was mm-hmm. fuck all. Was it? Was there? Was there an event or something? The first time that someone said, "Could you do this for a team, a club?" That yeah, that that, that, I, that, gave I, that tick box. I mean, oh, I've got something here. Well, it, it was interesting. Um, now, I really struggled to go all the way back into history. You know, some people can just articulate. Yeah. I, I know it's a lot of blur for me. A uh, couple of key things. So um, I knew that there was a couple of significant moments, which I think were really important. And, and Will, I think you'll probably um, resonate with this. So I knew I needed somewhere to work from. Mm-hmm. And I had two mates, uh, Brownie and, and Dazza, my two two best mates. They're the guys that on on the tattoo on my back. Yeah. They're my brothers. And I'm sitting there talking about this vision and I'm going, fuck, you know, I need to get an office. Where the fuck am I going to work? How is it going to work? Blah, blah, blah. And they just turned around and said, oh, mate, you've got a fucking garage there full of shit. So w- they cleaned it up and and, and and that was where I operated mm-hmm. from home, which is, I love it and I love my office. Uh, the other little significant moments um, was – Actually, more in a transitional sense because I I uh, I managed to get off the printing press and get a a, a job as a uh, print sales, mm-hmm. um, which I was there for a year. Well, and I I hated that as well. Um, and so I'd work at night and on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I, mate, I was working every night and every weekend. I didn't have a break. Uh, probably for a good five years. I'm just working and studying and reading and working and studying. Um, I'm blessed to have uh, a wonderful woman in my life who who was so supportive of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I had to educate myself. Now, that's something that Jim Rohn talked about, which is very important. Three steps to greatness. Yep. Number one, set goals. Two, educate yourself. And three, have a financial plan. So the first two were very important for me. So I set the goal to be a, a, a performance coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second part was I needed to educate and I needed to do it with a gusto. Yep. So off I went. Now, we you got to appreciate I was on fuck all money. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a lot. Um, and at the same time, we sort of starting a family. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm blessed. Uh, my wife sold. She had inherited a, a piece of furniture that she sold to pay for a course for me. You know, I'll never because, uh, you know, it was uh, 10000 or whatever it was. It's an overwhelming amount of money back in the 90s when yep. you're on, you know, $7 an hour, so to speak. Uh, so that there was a real – because of the sacrifice, there was a fucking commitment. If you're going to do this course, you, you better, better yeah. you better fucking get it all. Um, and 
so just through that, uh, I, I continued in my development. Mm. I needed to uh, improve my speaking skills. I needed to improve. I'm dyslexic mm. as well. I didn't fucking discover that until my 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to learn to learn. Yeah. Uh, so we overcoming all those things, uh, and at the same time, you got to appreciate coaching wasn't a fucking thing back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone's going, "What the fuck?" You know. Yeah. In fact, I significant moments. I remember walking up the corridor of uh, Comprint where I was working, and one of the the managers there caught me up there and said, "Hey, can we have a quick word?" I went, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, "Hey, what's this bullshit about you doing this bloody psychology stuff?" Yeah. Son, you only just managed to pass your apprenticeship. <laughs> you know, I struggled with that. I yeah. got 51%. Uh, and that fucking hurt, you know what I mean? Um, but I'll tell you something. Success is the best revenge. I use that as fucking energy. Shit, I was fucking determined then. I've, that fucking hurt. Yep. Uh, now, instead of going, oh, maybe I'll put some doubt in there or question it, that in life you learn to reframe things mm-hmm. to serve you. Fuck, I got busy, man. I... I'm a very re- resilient, tenacious motherfucker. I, if you tell me I can't do it, fuck, you're dangling a carrot. I will fuck you up in that sense. I want to go to the extreme too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of think that that style and, and attitude suits for high performance. Would I be okay in counselling? I don't think so. Yeah. I think I'd upset a lot of people. Um, I don't have that that uh, that empathy that people require. Hence, why I think I've been so successful in high performance because uh, it's not about you know feeling sorry for you. It's about fucking being resilient and pushing through the pain, and that's manifest itself uh, in, in 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 with regards to uh, dealing with pain itself. Being congruent again mm-hmm. in doing strongman and powerlifting, yeah. Yeah, you're pushing. So, you know, I, part of my development initially yeah. was the physical, yep. uh, and then into the and uh, in, into the intellectual, mm-hmm. and and I, I love it. Yeah, there's 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 a there's a famous saying that's been around for generations, and that's hard work will beat skill any day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we still. Forget about that. Yeah. And then we see a in let's say for example in New Zealand, we see a Dan Carter come through mm-hmm. or a Richie McCall come mm-hmm. through or um any one of a or Lydia Co. Uh, uh, Lydia Co, right? Um Israel Desanya, right? Absolutely. Um, and then you go through going, Oh, you had the skill. Yeah, wanna, they've got they've got base skill there, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. hard work Fucking A. Uh, Here's two stories. Yeah. Right. So someone said to me, Why was Lydia so successful? Mm-hmm. And I said, part of it was because she used to ask one little question. Mm. And that question was, can I just hit one more? Yeah. Right. Now let's set the scene. So she'd arrive uh, after school to the range Mm -hmm. and she'd work with Guy and she'd work on a golf swing. And she would be the last to leave. And so at 10 o'clock at night, Mm -hmm. mum's tired. Uh, and and you know and, and fuck you know her parents got a lot of shit saying they pushed her too much. Are you fucking serious? Mm. They supported a young woman who would constantly ask at ten fifteen. One more. Can I just hit one more? So she, that's yeah. Then go home and do her homework. Yeah. Uh, now, when we talk about fighting, and we talk about Israel, you know. 
this guy had something like 100 fights in a year. Mm-hmm. Guys today have five fights and think they're uh, world champs. Yep. Fuck me. Mm-hmm. Get a sense of perspective, people. Yep. You know, they say that he's got all this nice stuff now. He fucking absolutely deserves all yeah. that stuff right now. He has made the sacrifices. I think Israel and Brad uh, Brad Riddell are telling mm. me some of the stories of how they had to go and find fights in the back streets of China. I mean, these guys fucking pioneered mm-hmm. uh, and what they had to go through, and yeah. now suddenly it's a big thing and everyone's... Yeah, but I mean, um, it's funny. I I ran into Izzy actually mm. in Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. So he won the Super Eight mm-hmm. um, in Auckland. I went to yep. go watch that. He actually fought because I've boxed before. <coughs> he fought uh, my coach Asher Derbyshire, who's now yep. in Wellington. So yep. he fought Asher. Asher got caught in last minute. Um, um, Izzy won the event and like walked through most of the guys. I ran into him actually in Vegas for uh, Manny Pacquiao yep. uh, Mayweather fight. I was in Ooh. Vegas for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it was a, a crazy circle because actually I played rugby with Eugene, uh, Eugene Beerman. Ah, so with Eugene, okay. yes, I mean him. Another great man. Oh, uh, right, Far uh, out. Okay, a lot of, so yeah, so huge. Um, so huge, I played with him for two seasons. He played flank. I was in the front row. Um, and oh, a lot of people, he a flanker. Yeah, he was a sort Fucking of. Fucking glamour boy. Eh? <laughs> yeah, a flanker. But it's funny because you look at Eugene, you don't expect much from him. So, um, you know, Israel the son is coach, anyone that's watching, listen, yeah, yeah. you don't realize that he was his own fighter. Absolutely. Um, and the only reason he stopped it in because he actually snapped his leg in his last yes. fight. Yeah. Us close enough boys knew this about him. So we would be on the rugby field and, you know, a, a scrimmage would happen. I played for Messi, the, the yep. Messi Mafia. Um, we were a bit of a wild bunch. They won the league for a couple of years. Um, and a guy would grab him going, okay, we're going to have a biff. And none of us would grab Eugene to hold him back. We would grab the other get, kid and go, you don't want to do this. You get fucked up. You don't yeah. want to do this, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. no one ever had yeah, to yeah. go like, you, you yeah. just, no, no, don't worry. We're like, yeah. dude, you're going to get killed, right? <laughs> Leave him alone. So that was, yeah. that was, it was crazy. And I think back of it, because he actually told me about City Kickboxing that time mm-hmm. and said, hey, you should come down and join the gym. And the only reason I never joined it was I was working at the very bottom of town and City Kickboxing's at the top of town. Yeah, so yeah, I found a closer yeah. gym to that. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's funny, I think sometimes how differently uh, my uh, my fighting career, like, and that circle would have gone and yeah. um, known those boys. But going back to Izzy, when Izzy broke through, when he literally came onto UFC, and, uh, yeah. wasn't he still living in a sleep out in the backyard of some guy's house? Fuck. I mean, if you go look at Bro. the original content yes. of when they did it, he was in that little, the room sleep out with him and boys sharing for the rent Bro. and then getting the contract. And then people go, look at him now and going, that was only like a couple of years ago in his path that he was oh, still on a couch yeah, in a house yeah. to share, to make it happen. You know what's beautiful is one of the first things he brought was something for his parents. Yeah. And that's that's that that shows the that shows true to where it is, Fuck right? A lot of this a lot man. of the sports stars or the high performance yeah. business, they all do that. Mm. Um you look at um you know, you look at uh Anthony Joshua, mm. right? Mm. Um, for, for his family and everything mm. else, I think isn't he still living mm. in the same neighborhood mm. that he mm. grew up in? The mm. it's not called the townships; it's called the um, I don't want to say the projects, but in the UK, yeah, yeah. yeah he he's still based into that space, yeah. bringing it to the family because it's the hard work over skill mm. mentality. Going, mm. I did all of this. There had to be people who supported me, and I relate back to those people. Uh, it, you know, I. I, I Working with Izzy, you know, right off the bat, you get a real sense he's a very sharp man, yeah. very intelligent. Yeah. 
Um, and it was he was destined. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's got the work ethic, he's got the intellect, um, and he's. I think well, the other key thing, and this is really important too, is <clears throat> surround yourself with like-minded people. Who are the people that you hang out with? Mm. You know, if you hang out with fucking losers, yeah, you, know, you will become one of those losers. And so, uh, what they've created at City Kickbox is outstanding. Mm-hmm. So it, it 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 feeds an ethos. Yeah, you know, you 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 can't sort of see it, but you can feel it when you go in there. I I went in there once to observe uh, and catch up with um, Junior Far and – That's right. You've been – Yeah, yeah, Junior Far and um, Hemi. Yeah. Hemi's a powerhouse, eh? Fuck. So (laughs) there's there's this this fucking concrete pond in the middle of of one of the rooms and Junior's up against it. And Hemi, they're doing 15-second yeah. cycles yeah. of in the gut. Yeah, with, blitz, yeah. I'm watching this, and I, 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 I'm sure this pylon's moving, <laughs> and Junior's looking at me going, yeah. And Hemi's going, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm unbelievable watching that. Yeah. It's just in awe of these guys, eh? Yeah. I, 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 I get – see, I get excited about high performance. I love – I love winning. Mm-hmm. I'm a very competitive person. I, I, I fuck. I, I, I believe in, in ultimately in life. I think we've been given the gift of life, mm-hmm. and out of that, we have a responsibility to be the best we can be and all we can be. Yep. Uh, and whether that's shit, if you're going to be a plumber, don't yeah. be a plumber. Be the plumber. Yeah. If you're going to be a fighter, don't be a fighter. Be the fighter. And these guys, the way they trained, ah, oh, it's it's it's. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, I had Dave Wood on a few months ago. Oh, he's a good yeah, man yeah. too. And, you know, I, I spoke to Dave. He was talking about um, his, you know, his breathing coaching and all mm-hmm. the rest of it with the, with the fight camp. And yeah. and one one thing I spoke to him about, which was really interested about Izzy as well, uh, talking about um, Izzy was always first and he was always the longest. Yeah. And anything that that you could see um, online when they're doing yeah. the beach training stuff, yeah. he was always first up the dunes. He was always yeah. the one hard in the running, yeah. the hardest. But where the uh, and it's it's funny somebody spoke about where the I think the difference came into it, um, and that's again that mindset that comes from yeah. understanding yourself or being mm. coached to understand yourself. Yeah. yeah, there's there's the one skill that Dave teaches them about the calmness under the water. You yeah. be, you'll yeah. be well aware of this. That's yeah. part of his forte. And yeah. um, the whole is he doesn't breathe through his mouth during the fights. The whole nasal breathing thing mm-hmm. again, um, uh, massive thing. I'm a big fan of. I think you know Gareth Edwards, a friend of Gareth's a good friend of mine as well. Um, yep. that coach that. And one of the big things I saw from it was a moment um, where they were going under the water, staying as long as possible as you as you physically can, and then you got to get out of the water and be in the right state to then continue. Mm. So this is teaching mm. the mind of mm. being under pressure and coming up yep. and staying the calm and staying and, calm. Yeah, and, yeah. and one of the craziest things when I watched that footage, and you can go and find it it's on the UFC one. It's uh, the two camps back, Izzy mm. stands up, being literally to the last second that he could physically stand the water. He stands up and he doesn't go, <gasps> he stands up and he's just straight calm. So you have stoked, yeah. st- straight away there and gets everything under control. And that just shows that whole mm. reinforcement mm. of being him understanding what it is, mm. him providing that guidance by the right coaching mm-hmm. and the rest of it mm-hmm. and bringing it together and mm-hmm. seeing what the human body can oh, entail, what right? we can do, eh? Right? I mean, it's the last frontier, isn't it? Yeah. You know, in some ways. And we know 
probably more about the universe than we do about the deep sea, but we probably know more about the deep sea than we do about consciousness yep. and, and the mind and what it's capable of doing. And that's fascinating. I mean, one of the biggest people out there that portrays, whether you like him or not, and is one of the biggest inspiration to me is Joe Rogan, right? He's yeah. one of the fundamental yeah. reasons why I do this, right. what I do, okay. right? And he's always that guy that has come out and, you know, hard work, um, all the rest of it, but then he will show something freak of nature and uh, um, that he does in the stuff, and everyone goes, but sometimes how is that possible just from, you know, from him doing it? Like I was watching a video this week where uh, Bert Kreischer, I don't know if you know, Bert Kreischer, the stand-up comedian that comes on stage yep. and takes his shirt off and goes, one thing you never do to Joe is never challenge him, never mm -hmm. make mm -hmm. a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, and they started doing Sober October mm -hmm. many years ago, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you know the story on the first one, this was the first time um, doing Sober October. On day one or day two, Joe did this video, and he was like him um, and his Labrador, for her, um, her name I forgot, and he was doing mountain eels. And he did a yeah. video, and he's like, hey, it's Joe, yeah, me and dog. Yeah. Um, I've just done two miles. I've just done two miles up on the hill, you know, for Sober yep. October, everything else. Yep. And Bert saw this, and he's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to make – a comedic video response to Jonas and so he went under and he did a bit of a, a jog. He didn't have his dog with him, but he was like, did a video, he goes, hey, Joe, you've done two miles. If you do two miles, I'm going to do four. If you do four miles, I'm going to do eight. And I'm here yeah, with my dog yeah. and he goes, oh, where's the dog gone? I've lost the dog as a total joke. And he said it was the worst thing he's ever done because the next day, I don't know if you know this story, the no. next day, Joe got into his own home gym. So he's got yeah. his own home gym set up. Yeah. Joe triggered the fire alarm in his home gym because he put so much moisture in the room for how much Whoa. he was sweating over that day because he was like, no one fucking, fucking challenges me. Mate, look, and here's, here's the wonderful thing about uh, – this is something that uh, I think is really important is uh, you set the environment, yeah. right? So for me, I, I'm a member up at Golf's, uh, Wolf's. Wolf's Gym. Yeah. So I love the environment yeah. there. And and one thing that I, I've I'm gonna blow my own trumpet here for a little bit. Um one thing I am I am fucking competitive, yeah. right? Um and I think that that's kind of important because it sets it sets an environment. It it sets the scene. Like when I go in there, generally they're playing my FM or whatever and I I don't write rap music much. Uh but the music will change because they respect yeah. that I'm going to be training. And I've got to say, I've trained with guys half my age yeah. and I, I will challenge you. I, like, I hate fucking losing, mate. And uh, I, I get a real kick um, because I truly believe in pushing myself uh, and pushing them. Mm -hmm. it, it's win-win. Yeah. You know, I, 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 love, I love that feeling of, uh, yeah, I love training. I love pain. You know, I, I love I love that feeling. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a bravado moment. Many years ago when I was in my late teens and I was in the gym scene more than I should have been at my age, yep. a bit of a bravado moment, so don't anyone that's listening watch don't hate about it. But I was in there. I was um, I was playing high performance in baseball and rugby in my, in my yep. career, national level, um, yep. up into my early t um, 20s. Um, and then also I got into noticing I had a lot of power in uh, my legs and my thighs. That's why I started uh, call mm -hmm. my African ass. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was very strong in my legs. Um, mm. And one time I was back in South Africa, I was at our local gym in there, and I was doing something downstairs, floating around, and I heard this guy screaming from upstairs on the leg press machine. 
And we are we were a local um, full size gym that it yep. wasn't a big boys. It wasn't a yep. wolf's. That's you know yep. fully respecting it. It's a, it wasn't a big boy gym. And I said to my mate, I'm like, what what the hell is going on here? Mm. So me and my mate, we uh, we walk up and we look in the corner where the the heavy the leg press and the squats and all that yep. hide in the corner. And here's this guy on there. You know he had racked up a decent amount of weight. It was would have been leg press. Uh, uh, yeah, leg press. It would have been like 400 kgs, you know, so a decent amount of weight to a normal person, right? It's, it's a, a big yeah. chunk of weight. Yeah. Most of the sides are plated. Um, but I could see from the outside looking in, it wasn't a guy that was screaming because he knew what he was doing doing it. He was screaming because he was going, hey, look at me, right? Fuck, so, I hate that. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking Fuck, about. You know. So I said to my mate, I, I could see this straight away, and I said, okay, this guy's an absolute arsehole, and he's been a, tw- a twat because he wants the world to see. So, <laughs> You're yeah. going to do something that right. I've done. Yeah, so, so, so I said to my mate, let's just wait. So we sit there, and he <clears> does a couple more sets. He's screaming through each set. So finally I'm like, okay, enough's enough. So as they, him and his mate that's saying, as they're about to finish, I walk right over, and I go, hey, you guys done? And he goes, yeah, we're done. And, and the guy goes, oh, do you want me to unrack? And, and I go, no, 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 it's fine. So as he steps up, literally he takes two steps. I step into it. I drop the side and I do 12 dead quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and yeah. I rack yeah, it. Yeah. I step up and I walk yeah. away. Yeah. And I can remember this guy <laughs> looking at me. And I said, my friend, Fucking he up. is never going to come and scream in the gym again. Um, <laughs> just like I said, a full uh, yeah. you know ego moment there, but yeah. I thought it was just something like, dude, you just got to understand your space. Well, yeah, yeah, look at you know, it's interesting. We talk about gym culture. That's part of the reason why I went to Wolf's. What I really, uh, one of the most iconic places I ever trained, yeah, was the old Gold's Gym, Simon Street. Yeah, the dungeon. Uh, fucking a mate, and if you couldn't bench two hundred, don't fucking show yeah. up. You know, uh, and. If there was any screaming there, that that was it was justified yeah. in the sense of there was a substantial amount, amount of weight, of weight yeah. you know, um, and that sort of culture, uh, that sort of meathead mentality, um, it, it, I kind of miss it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I miss those days with with my boys. But at the right at the right place in the right situation, yeah. right, and that's yeah. where it is true. The the, the dungeons are amazing. Um, being in those circles, mm. you know, um, amazing. Like in my twenties, I got into the bodybuilding scene. I got to meet Full yeah. Heath. Yeah. Uh, Full came on a private event here. Yeah. Um, she's what is it? Ten years ago, mm. um, Shotgun Supplements actually sent yeah. me private yeah. tickets for it. And um, I don't know if you were around for that event or anything about it, knew about it. I'm not a fan. I, of, well, not, I'm not really that much into the body. Yeah, building. so I got into the physique class because I'm oh, okay. I'm too tall and still yeah. – I'm, I'm in – yes, I'm carrying a lot of weight now, but I was yeah. rocking in the 90 kgs at that yeah. stage. So. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's a, there's a different um, community and base around it, but it's mm. also understanding, like I said, time and place. Mm. You know, so the dungeon in Simon Street, you know, Wolf's here, um, yeah, totally get to it, but it's mm. in understanding of where – and I think it's that historical point in the society of understanding that. And then we see people in our society today trying to um, think they can be that in the in the wider world and not yeah. realizing the yeah. place and not knowing where yeah. to do it. So yeah. it's, for example, like a guy walking into city kickboxing going, okay, I can take anyone on. You know, those, Good you know. Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and you know what? That, that's a concerning thing is that yeah. we seem to have this sort of delusional sort of mindset with some society, people out there. Yeah. I like. I grew up. My old man was uh, went to the world champs in kickboxing. He placed mm. third in the worlds. Mm. 
one of the best fighters. He was the mm. best fighter in South Africa for his age, one yep. of the best in the world. I grew up seeing that. Um, I went into the fight camp. I've boxed um, and I've learned and been humbled in the boxing. Yep. There's nothing There's nothing like, like this is the truth. Mm. There's nothing like fighting and having someone punch you in the face, really. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. I don't care how many rounds you yep. think, how many rounds you've done on a heavy bag or how many rounds you've done on the mat. Or someone actually taps you out cold, yep. Yep. Um, punches you in the face. You don't yep. know what you're talking about. Yep. Um, and yes. the, <laughs> and it's that humility, not just in the, the, the fight yes. scene, but in the life as well, right? And well, that we, I want to reiterate and, and build on that because I, I was over at um, – where was it? North Shore. Went and watched some of the, the, the fighting over there. Oh, the event centre. Event yep. centre. Yep. And it all finished and we are walking out and there was a whole lot of guys having a, a, a bit of a, a punch-up. Yep. And uh, – After the fight or actually After the fight, oh, yeah. right. You know how – you know, well, like I say, everyone's a fucking – you know, isn't it interesting how everyone that's sitting in the seats watching the fight – Thinks he's a fighter. Fucking knows Jack and, – and, and yet have you ever been in the gym, yeah. ever been punched in the face yeah. like you say? So the, the, there's this brawl going on and I, I get fucking pissed off because, you know, you respect – what these fighters do in this country mm-hmm. in particular, that's who I sort of yeah. work with. And you know what? They don't – they're good, hardworking people. Yeah. And when they go to these fucking fights, they don't get paid a shitload of money. Uh, Fuck all. In, yeah. They get paid fucking nothing, yeah. right? Um, and what would certainly help is to have an environment that we can maximise the capacity of the place mm. and maximise the cost of it so that they could get some sort of financial compensation. But at these fucking assholes out there fighting, can you imagine, that's part of the reason people don't want to go. Yeah. So I'm fucking, I'm losing the plot here. I'm So I walked in the middle of this fucking, mm. and I basically said, hey, this, this is the reason why. These fuckers in there, you want to respect those fuckers? Mm-hmm. This shit's got to stop because this is why we can't get fucking numbers here. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, uh, it did stop, thank goodness, and I didn't get knocked out by some fucking heavyweight. But um, it really upsets me yeah. because I know how much time and sacrifice goes into whether it's boxing, fighting, kickboxing, MMA, whatever. Yeah. And, and that's... To a certain point, that's scalable across all areas of life, all sport, yeah. and all areas. Yeah. We, you have to endure. You need to sacrifice. You need to build resilience through that. That sometimes the pain is yeah. the gift, the frustration yeah. is the gift, and we kind of look for it to be in, you know, the glory of winning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, mate, the glory is in showing up day after day after day. So true. So you know the boxing coach Henry. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he coached me when I when I got into Murring and um and to anyone that knows Henry's a sort of a, a boxing coach where you'll go in there and you'll push and you push and then he will just keep pushing till the end point. So I'm standing in the ring there, we're doing pad work, and he goes, "Cool, give me give me a straight," and I and I throw it, and he goes, "No, give me a straight," and we literally stand there for like two to three minutes till I throw one that is happening. He goes, "Great, that was the one." Yeah. Now I want ten more of those, and it took yep. three minutes yep. to give him the yep. one, yep. right? And how um, cool is that? Yeah, and that was the you know, and again, we, we, yes, we're talking a lot about the fight team, but it's a it's the same stuff that can be done in life, in the yeah. sense of 
I had to do all of that to get to one component of what I was trying to achieve Absolutely. and having to then repeat In pursuit and of read. excellence. Yes. Now, today's society, everything's flashy on fucking line, yeah. and everyone seems to think that all I have to do is intend it yeah. and it will manifest itself. Yeah. Not fuck me. Like I said, Izzy has had more freaking fights than you've had hot dinners, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think there's a disconnect and a delusion about the actual work that's involved. Yeah, uh, I, 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 it, is, it is so true. I mean, uh, people, and again, it comes back to, we'll just, we all end off the show in the sense of, it comes back to the whole full circle when I when we started the show and, uh, and got fired up in the sense of, we're seeing people coming in yeah. on one step and two step and expecting to help change the world is, yeah. you've got to give your time, yeah. you've got to give your grant, you've got to go down and grind yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, you know, f- for me, I'm being, for example, in this scene, in the podcast game, I've only been in it for four years. Yeah. Um, I'm still in my infancy. The man behind the camera, Wolf Fleming, you've been in it for Eight, nine years, I think it is now. Mm. I looked at the other day, 2015, uh, one of your podcasts you launched out of there. You know, so I go, oh, I th- I think I'm one of the one longest in around. And I'm like, like no, there's, there's more and there's more. But that just, from my perception, that just gives me the right motivation. You know, and and, and it, it's sort of humbling because here's the thing. I've been doing it damn near 30 years. Yeah. I'm realizing more and more I've got so much more to fucking learn. Yeah. I actually feel like I've only just started to finish my pro my, my apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in fact, I was talking to my wife the other day and saying, I actually feel like I'm really starting to do some really good work. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It takes – I've – yeah, it is so true. Like I said, I'm in infancy. I'm only mm. four years into this path. Mm. I've just done a pivot again in the last sort of um, three months. I've done a real uh, a full pivot on that and yeah. feel closer to where I should yeah. be. Yeah. But I'm fully respecting that – Two, three, four years down the path, it might happen again mm. because the route takes us differently, mm. the path takes us mm. differently, life takes us differently. Mm. And that's sort of something we just got to pay attention to out yeah. there um, that the first decision is not necessarily the right decision, but make the right decision now yeah. and let it take its path. Yeah, yeah, and, and commit to it fully. Yeah. You know, there's a little saying, if you want to walk on water, first you've got to step out of the boat. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, well, that's fully committed, eh? Yeah, it's the same one as the – you would have heard this, the Tony Robbins one, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the you know the story behind that, eh? No. Well, let me, yeah, let, let me let, educate you. <laughs> what, what, what? Uh, <clears throat> it's based on the story of the Vikings oh, yeah. uh, when they went in to conquer a new land, the, the mentality that they had. And I kind of like yeah. it, that Viking mentality, you know. Um. Full commitment is arriving, mm-hmm. sussing it out, unloading the boats, and there's no going back. Yeah. So you're, you're you're here now. You you cannot you burn your boats. There's no going back. Make it work. That's amazing. That mm. is amazing. Mm. Talking about you liking Vikings, I'll talk about you something off mm. air. I might have something that mm-hmm. you would absolutely love that I'll, I'll get into. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, there yeah. we go. Um, but anyway, um, um, Dave, coming to, up to the end of the show, it's already been an hour we're going on. Jeez, uh, already? Yeah. Um, is there anything for our listeners or watchers at the moment you'd love to leave them with, a last thought or a last point for them to ponder about over the next period of time? Um, there's a little saying that I do like. And that is any thought that you continuously hold in your mind will soon seek expression through some practical means. 
That is amazing. Thoughts become things, mate. That is amazing. Love that, Dave. Mm. Um, where can we where can we find you? Uh, if you really keen to find me, you'll find me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the best one. That is definitely the best one. Yeah. But um, to anyone else at the moment, um, thanks again for coming over to the Wolf of Country podcast. I hope there's something you could take away from the discussion between myself and Big Dave. Um, if you're in the scene or if you're looking for the guidance or all the rest of it, have a watch of this. Have a, multiple watches of this and take and resonate. Like we said, there's so much we've got to learn in this world. There's so much we've got to take away, but we've got to experience and go for. And I am... For once, I actually am publicly calling out people in this coaching game that is bullshitting and trying to say they can change the world, please stop that because you're actually doing more detriment to the society than actually helping them. Put your time in, learn the ways, learn the grunt, experience it, and go through the turmoil that you need to and get the humility to actually understand how we can make a difference and everything else from there out there. But as I always say um, at the end of my show, I don't care about – you subscribing or liking. I care about you listening to this, and if it's something that resonates with you, take that away. Or someone else that needs to hear this, tell them to come over and listen to this and try and change their lives because we need to change society and make it a better place for the generations coming up. But at the end of the day, stay beautiful, stay powerful, and hope to see you again. <laughs>